We know from subsequent verses that the word introduced to us in John chapter 1 and verse 1 is Jesus. Therefore, when this passage teaches us in verse 4 that the word has life in him, which is the light of man. It's teaching us that Jesus has life in Him, which is the life of man. Obviously, Jesus has life in Him, which He has given to man in creation. Verse 3 teaches us that all things were made through Him. So He's already given to man that life, which is in Him, in that sense. And there is a certain light, which is part and parcel of that life, which came to us through Jesus, simply by virtue of our having been created. There is an understanding and a consciousness that's common to mankind, simply by virtue of our very existence. And that's one of the ways, that kind of understanding or illumination is one of the ways that Scripture uses the word light. However, we see as the concept of light develops here in John chapter 1, we see that men who already exist and are in one sense alive are able to reject the light that John is talking about. Look at verse 11. After referring to Jesus in verse 9 as the true light, in verse 11, John says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. So therefore, when John introduces the concepts of light and life in verse 4, he's not referring to, to the light and life which all people have received from Him in creation. He's not referring to the light and life that Jesus has given to each person who simply exists. In John chapter 1 and verse 4, then, the Apostle is referring to a life that not all people have. And he's referring to a light, therefore, that not all people receive. This is evident from the way John develops his thought as the chapter goes on. We see, as John develops these ideas, that people reject the life and the light that John introduces to us in chapter 1 and verse 4. So John is teaching us in chapter 1 and verse 4 that Jesus has life and light for people who don't presently have either. And this light and life that Jesus has for people who don't presently have either is able to be received or not received. This is evident from the facts presented to us in verses 11 to 13. Jesus comes with life and light 
And some receive Him, and some don't receive Him. So, Jesus has in Him life and light, which is for people who do not presently have life and light. And some people receive the life and light that Jesus brings. And some people don't. That's the basic meaning of this passage before us this morning. That's the basic overview of this passage before us this morning. John 1 verses 4 to 13. But we're going to examine it in greater detail. And as we do, we'll consider three components of this passage's meaning that are implicit in the summary I just gave you. First, we're going to look at our need for life and life. Second, we're going to look at the light that, as verse 5 tells us, is shining in the darkness. And third, we're going to look at the choice that's before us. So let's begin then with our need for life and light. Obviously, when we say we need life, if I say to you this morning, we need life, we don't mean that we are in need of being created, for we have already been created. If I say we need life, I don't mean that we are in need of coming into existence, beginning to exist. All of us who are hearing this message obviously already exist. And we're not talking about the animation of mere physical matter. The way that Adam's body was created first in the beginning. And then God breathed life into him. None of us is an inanimate object. Or to speak more graphically, none of us is an inanimate corpse. All of us hearing this message are already both existent and animated. We're living, breathing, thinking, talking, acting, alive persons. Sombra is a six-year-old German shepherd in Colombia whose talent for sniffing out drugs has led to the capture of at least 245 people and the seizure of nine tons of cocaine from the powerful, and I might get this word wrong, Orobenos gang. Since Sombra is so bad for business, the Orobenos mafia has put a bounty of 200 million pesos, which is about 70,000 US dollars, on her head, according to Colombian police. Let's be realistic. This drug-sniffing dog is as good as dead. Sombra's days are numbered. The Bible teaches us that our situation is something like that. We are, as I said a moment ago, living, breathing, thinking, talking, acting, alive persons. But... We are dead men walking with respect to our relationship to God. God's judgment hangs over our heads like that bounty hangs over Sombra's head. And more than that, the Bible teaches us that not only are we judicially as good as dead, 
with God's judgment hanging over us. But that our very nature is corrupted by sin, rendering us as good as dead with respect to our capacity to relate to God. So if we were to push the analogy with Sombra further, and this isn't actually the case, but if we were to push the analogy with Sombra further, it would be as if she were not only under a bounty, but also paralyzed and shot through with cancer. Sombra would have a problem external to her, which is that the Urabenos gang wants her dead. And she would have problems internal to her, that there's something actually wrong with her as her. So it is with us humans by nature. We are under God's judgment. And as Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6 tells us, there is no soundness in us. By nature, we humans are like those then described a few chapters after Isaiah 1, who in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 are said to walk in darkness. The lack of life, the death at play in our situation, leads to a heavy darkness. In this sense, darkness is related more to despair and hopelessness than a lack of information. We are walking in darkness in the sense that we cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Therefore, we need life where there is death, and we need light where there is darkness. And John tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 4, that in the Word... That is, in Jesus, is life. And the life was the light of man. And more than that, the light shines in the darkness. In God is the life we need. And therefore, in God is the light we need, the hope in the midst of this darkness of being under God's judgment and corrupted by sin. None but God could give us the life we need, rescuing us from God's judgment and restoring our nature. None but God, therefore, could give us the hope that we need. Doubtless, I don't think any reasonable person would dispute That God has life and light in Himself sufficient for our need. But would He do anything about it? Should He who is the very brightness of heaven concern Himself with the darkness of earth? The Nicene Creed, in keeping with John chapter 1 and verse 1, tells us that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Begotten of His Father before all worlds. God of God. Light of light. Very God of very God. Begotten. Not made. Being of one substance with the Father. Jesus is one then. Who has life and light in Himself. Sufficient for our need. But would He do anything about it? Again, should he who is the very brightness of heaven concern himself with the darkness of earth? 
the Nicene Creed goes on to tell us that for us and our salvation, He came down from heaven and was incarnate by this Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day He rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Again, all of this for us and our salvation. In other words, the one who is the very brightness of heaven has concerned himself with the darkness of the earth. Or in the terms that are laid out before us in the passage we're looking at today, John chapter 1 and verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. It's not just that there is light somewhere out there. It's not just that there is life somewhere out there, but that light has shone on us. That life has come to us. The one who is the very brightness of heaven has concerned himself with the darkness of the earth. In him was life, and that light was the life, that life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. We are like those who As Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 says, walk in darkness. But as Isaiah goes on to say, when we look at Jesus Christ, we have seen a great light. He who has life in himself has come to us that we might have life. Light then at the end of the tunnel. Light in our darkness. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. In coming into the world, as we saw last week, the Word reveals God. The Son does not act in opposition to the Father's nature, but in accordance with the Father's nature and appointment. The Son does not act in opposition to the Spirit's nature, but is the one on whom the Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and remained upon. Jesus, the Word, reveals God, as we saw last week. But also, as we saw last week, Jesus, the Word, is God's active power. Just as in the Old Testament, God's Word acted, was effective, accomplished things. Not just got the process rolling the way that we might give a command for someone to begin doing something. God's word actually affects something. God said, for example, let there be light and there was light. His word did it. Jesus came, likewise, to be not only a revealer of God, but God's active power. Jesus came not only to teach us something, but to do something. And what we see before us today is that Jesus came here to bring us life. Jesus came in order that the light would shine in the darkness. To introduce hope into our despair. Jesus is the one who brings us life. The life which is the light in our darkness. 
The one in whom is life has us stayed in heaven, aloof from our death. The one who could introduce light into our darkness hasn't hid it under a bushel. No, he has let it shine. The light shines in the darkness. And verse 5 goes on to tell us that the darkness has not overcome it. This is past tense. When would this have occurred if it's a past event? To answer that question, let's consider what it would look like, hypothetically, for darkness to overcome light. Darkness overcoming light would presumably look like enveloping and smothering the light so that it no longer shines. Right? And when, most obviously, did the darkness try to envelop and smother the light? By the end of John's Gospel, we'll see that it was at Calvary. At the cross, where the darkness tried to envelop and smother the light. But did darkness overcome the light at Calvary? No. It was at Calvary that the light prevailed. Life came to us dead men as Jesus, who has life in himself, died. You see, Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life and didn't deserve to die on the cross. So when he died there, it wasn't because God was punishing him for his own sin. And Jesus, as our brother mentioned earlier in the service, wasn't a helpless victim who couldn't rescue himself from his impending crucifixion. So why did he go then? He went willingly, but not for his own sins, for he had none. Willingly, for our sins, Jesus went to the cross. After living a righteous, obedient life in the place of our unrighteous disobedience, Jesus suffered in our place. He gave us His clean clothes and took our dirty ones upon Him as He went to the cross. Living and dying then, as the Nicene Creed says, for us and our salvation. Jesus gave us the life that was in Him. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Coming into the world... In the person of Jesus Christ, the light objectively shines. That's what verse 9 is getting at when it says that Jesus, the true light, gives life to everyone. He objectively shone in the darkness. And He shines in the preaching of those like John mentioned in verses 6 to 8. John the Baptist, not John the author of the Gospel. 
And Jesus shines in the preaching of all who hold out life and light to dead and darkened sinners in and through Jesus Christ. Consider then, consider then that even today, even right now, at this very moment, in the very proclamation of light and life in and through Jesus Christ, to you today, the light shines in the darkness. What will you do with the light shining? What will you do with the life offered? What will you do with Jesus? After looking at, firstly, our need for life and light, and then secondly, seeing that there is life and light in Jesus, that the light is shining in the darkness, we've come thirdly and finally to the choice that is before each of us. What will you do with the light shining in the darkness? What will you do with the life that is in Jesus, which He offers to you? What will you do with the light of man? That great light that we see in the face of Jesus Christ. We, who have dwelt in a land of deep darkness, have seen a great light. On us has shone a great light. What will you do with that light? What will you do with the life that is offered you? What will you do with Jesus? This passage shows us, after teaching us that Jesus has light and life and that He came into this world to bring us light and life to shine light in the darkness to bring life to dead men after teaching us this this passage shows us that there are fundamentally only two categories of people in this world the first category of people are those who Look at verses 9 and 10, and then 12 and 13. Recognize Jesus as the one through whom all things were made, and who came into the world, and who was in the world. These people receive Him. The second category of people are those who, look at verses 9 to 11. Do not recognize Jesus as the one through whom all things were made and who came into the world and who was in the world. These people do not receive Him. Jesus came to His own. Verse 11 tells us. In coming into the world, He came to His own. In one sense, since we were all made through Him, according to John chapter 1 and verse 3. But more than that, His own refers to the Jews, the Israelites, the children of Abraham, 
to whom were entrusted the oracles of God, Romans chapter 3 and verse 2, and to whom belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises, to whom belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ. Romans 9, verses 4 and 5. For all these graces the Jews had been shown, they generally rejected Jesus, and implicitly, therefore, rejected the light and the life that is in Him and which He brings to mankind. What a tragedy that is. Those who had the most light bulbs, the most torchlights, the most candles, the most headlights, the most street lamps, did not recognize the brightness of the sun. They were looking for life and light in their book. They were looking for light and life in their ceremonies. They were looking for light and life in their relationship to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so forth. They missed the one that John calls in chapter 1 and verse 9 here, the true light. The fullest light who came to them, of whom all lesser lights testified, and to whom all of their lesser lights pointed. Could we do the same? With all of our religious observance, rituals, ceremonies, with all of our doctrine about Jesus, with all of our church history and tradition, with all of our networks, our associations, our denominations, could we, like the Jews, fail to recognize the true light? of whom all lesser lights testify, and to whom they all point. We need to remember, each one of us, that life and light come to us through Jesus. The life out of death that we need And the light that we're searching for in the midst of our darkness are to be found in Jesus. Let's not be like those who, like the Jews, miss the forest for the trees. On the contrary, let's be those who recognize that in the coming of Jesus into the world, the Creator came into the world. He through whom the world was made, as verse 10 tells us. Let's be those who recognize that in the coming of Jesus into the world, one came into the world in whom was life. As verse 4 tells us. Let's be those who recognize that it is in the coming of Jesus into the world that those who dwell in darkness have seen a great light.
as Jesus promised. Pardon me, as Isaiah prophesied. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, family members, co-workers, in Jesus, and only in Jesus, is light and life to be found. All other lights are either lesser lights testifying of Jesus or outright will-o'-the-wisps, as William Barclay says, which lead men out into the dark and leave them there. So the choice before us is to receive Him or not to receive Him. In order not to receive Him, you don't have to do anything. Just leave church and carry on. That's sort of the default mode of the human heart, you understand. That's kind of the default mode of our lives. It's to not receive Jesus. Simply to not recognize that it is in Jesus that we may have life. Simply to not recognize that only in Jesus are we going to find light at the end of our tunnel. To do nothing and carry on. That's what it looks like to not receive Jesus. Do the opposite. Receive Him. Recognize that what John is leading with as he introduces as he writes the introduction to his gospel what John is leading with is not actually doctrines though there are doctrines to be drawn out of chapter 1 what John is leading with is not actually the church although obviously here at CRBC we're not anti the church what John is leading with is not actually ideas and systems and philosophies and codes of ethics or anything like this what John is leading with is a person the word of God The Word who is with God. The Word who was God. The One through whom all things were made. The One in whom is life. Who can therefore give you life. Who can therefore shine light into your darkness. And not merely hypothetically can He or could He. But as verse 5 tells us, the light shines in the darkness. It's a present reality. The light is shining. There are two kinds of people. Those who ignore it and carry on. And those who recognize that in Jesus is life.
which is light at the end of our tunnels, so to speak. Receive Him. And in receiving Him, receive the life He brings. Experience what John 1, verses 12 and 13 talks about. Become a child of God. Experience the new birth, the new life in the place of your deadness. The very potential and promise of such things is light at the end of your dark tunnel. Embrace Jesus. Receive Jesus. And in Him, the life and light He brings.